podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. Hey, Kent! Oh, so glad you could meet me here. Yeah, I was out running errands anyway. Uh, I had planned on grabbing a bite to eat. Why the mall, though, Op? You know these places are dead, right? Everybody uses Amazon now. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I like the food here. Plus, this is the only place that has a, a coin collector's shop. Yeah, of course, of course it is. Of course it is. A dying, deserted, forgotten wasteland filled to the brim with nothing but empty stores, a bad food court, and old people just trying to get their exercise in by walking would naturally have a coin collector shop. I didn't know you were also a fan of malls. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> is, is that really Lynn playing right now on? Right now up? Wasn't that song popular in like 1999? Jesus. This is like a giant time capsule. I bet I can get my hair highlighted here and buy a Backstreet Boys album on CD too. I don't know about any new bands like that, but they do have a pretty great CD store down the aisle there. If you're going to go buy records from there, though, speak up. Bernard, the owner, is really hard of hearing. He doesn't like having customers at all. Tell him the operator sent you, though. He he won't give you a discount or anything, though. I, I, I don't even think he likes me. Then why would I? <sighs> Never mind. Never mind, man. Look, I'm starving. Are any of these food joints here up to date or even selling food legally? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's a pretty good all-American burger joint over there. There's some pretty good sandwiches. All-American burger? That restaurant chain went belly up over a decade ago. How? Well, <laughs> malls are magical places now, Kent. <laughs> why did you want to meet up, Op, and why do you have all this shit here sprawled out across the table? This stuff isn't that word, Kent. It's recording equipment. I thought maybe we could eat and, you know, I don't know, maybe knock out an episode and then then go shot for some uh, you know, Beanie Babies, maybe? I, I should have known. I should have fucked. Uh, oh, I'm here already. Whatever. Whatever, man. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Okay. Uh, just gi- uh, give me just a second here. Morning has initiated. Why are all of these electronics wood panel decorated? And why is nothing digital? Everything here looks like it's from the 60s. Is this what you normally use to record these episodes on, Op? Yeah, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I always say. Apple can go to Hades for their shiny white devices and touchy screens. All right, you're the tech guy, if you say so. Look, I'm going to grab a burger, but... uh, uh, I'll be honest, I don't really know what we're going to cover this time. Burger sounds good, though. Burgers. Barbecue. Ah, I've got it. We're going to do a deep dive on a real big murdering turd today, Up, A guy that may or may not have been the most sadistic man Baltimore has ever seen. We'll get into why later. He liked to talk a lot. He liked to eat a lot. He liked to kill a lot. He liked to sometimes join all of those things into one and get other people involved, whether they realize that or not. You already know who I'm talking about. Today, we're taking on that lumbering fat ass with a special barbecue recipe. Fellow by the name of Joe Metheny.
The term larger than life gets tossed around quite a bit when it comes to entertainers, athletes, superstars. But these types exist everywhere. They are your small town heroes like the volunteer firefighter covered in soot holding court at the bar. They are your big city bullies like the well-dressed cavemen loudly stepping out of barber shops in New York. They are teachers, salesmen, preachers, and waitresses. They are policemen, realtors, and overzealous Walmart greeters. To be larger than life, more often than not, is to be charmingly obnoxious, aggressively type A, disinterested in anything but your own performance in any social situation, willing to use your physical size, your strength, willing to implement your self-confidence, your intelligence, your looks, your position as a tool to pin others to their seats while you do your thing. And this type can be very, very dangerous. A larger-than-life scumbag will charm the pants off your legs, the money out of your wallet, the life from your body if they so choose. They'll make you feel as though you asked for it. And when you finally push back, when you eventually understand that you're being overwhelmed, being worked, it's always too late. It's always easier to let them finish what they started rather than be forced to fight verbally or physically with someone who has already beat the living shit out of you with sheer will. You can run, but they'll catch you. You can protest, but they'll talk over you. You can look around for backup, ask aloud if anyone else is seeing this, if anyone else disagrees with this, and you'll find that nobody wants what you're having. Nobody wants to be the focus of a larger-than-life character closing in for the kill. Nobody wants to intervene because it's simply not worth it, not worth the trouble. In fact, those onlookers will most likely side with the beast just to keep its eyes on you. It's self-preservation, it's primal. There are alphas and there are betas. And it doesn't matter what their title might be, their occupation. If you let a wolf into the hen house, feathers are going to fly. Squawk all you want. A big, fat, narcissistic, drug-fueled, piece-of-shit, smelly, tattooed, off-duty forklift driver can be a god in some circles. As long as he's larger than life, he can rule your world. He can grind you up into hamburger meat once he's through and sell it to the smiling simp search party out wondering where you've been since last Thursday night. And don't think it can't happen to you, because it likely already has. Odds are that you're currently deep in the shadow of someone like tiny Joe Metheny, whether it be your father, your mother, your partner, your boss, your so-called best friend, your co-workers, your own kids, even your dog. You've let a life be larger than yours at some point, and now its shadow has loomed over you for so long, you've convinced yourself that life was always this dim. So we just got brought in with the smooth, silky, leathery sound of Jack Luna's voice. We're talking about Joe Metheny today, Op, and to kick this off, uh, I'm curious, what's the worst restaurant experience you've ever had? Like, ever. Oh, easy. I was at Jack in the Box, and I was with a girlfriend, and a week later, found out she got E. coli from Jack in the Box... And I didn't get it, uh, but she died. Wait, hold on. I just laughed. I'm so- she did not. Yeah. She died from E. coli that she got from, from Jack, Jack in, the, in the, box. the Box. 
Yeah. That you took her to. Well, technically she drove because I had an 87 Ford Escort, Robin's Egg Blue, so beautiful. But it was out of commission at the time. It was in the shop. And yeah, so she drove. So she technically took us. So she kind of, I don't know, I guess you could say killed herself. Um. Okay, well that... That's probably you, a whole episode. Were you guys still... Were you? I just wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I was, you know what? I wasn't either. Oh, to be honest, I don't think she was either. Oh, you weren't? Okay. Were you guys still dating when she died? Yeah, well, it was hard, too, because, like, that stuff kicks in pretty quick and kicks out pretty quick, too. So, yeah. I mean, it really wasn't enough time. I think think the standard constitutional standard for breakup is you got to give them two weeks' notice. So I didn't really even have that long she didn't have that long to give me one i i couldn't give her one that quick um her parents were nonplussed as to who they should be madder at me for going to jack in the box with her or jack in the box i'd imagine they they got a lawsuit settlement out of right yeah, well, I was going to say, they, they landed probably the, the, the focus of their anger on me because they couldn't be mad at Jack in the Box after the lawsuit. Because I don't know if you know this, but when something like that happens at a lawsuit, very often in order for you to gain a uh, monetary benefit from a lawsuit against a company like that, part of that is a gag order so that you can't talk about it anymore. Right. You can't go around talking about it. You can't do, you know, the Today Show and all these other ones over and over. Once you've once you've settled, that's it. You're done. So they were rich, and uh, I was sad. They were mad at me still. I was like, you're rich. What do you got to be mad about? We lost our daughter, idiot. And I was like, yeah, but think about the bullet I dodged. I mean, I was expecting this to be a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, yeah. Damn. So she died. I, I'm just—I've never seen—I've never seen a Jack in the Box. I don't think we have those in Kentucky. Uh, I mean, all things considered, you know, with that little thing aside, is the food good? No, no, it's not. It's like a—it's—it's it's like if you made all the food in a Hardee's really bad. Then that sort of jack in the box. Uh, they have some redeeming qualities, but like for example, with the E. coli aside, yeah, that aside, it was probably the safest place to eat after like that week. You know, was was the, was the jack in the box for at least a month? Yeah, for a month. They have tacos there that you buy, but when you open the tacos, they it's not even like they fried the taco. It's just like they soaked the taco in oil, and they're the saddest looking things. But some people are addicted to them, you know. But you get like three, four tacos for like a dollar. I don't know. And they're not like a hard, they're a hard shell, but not hard at all. It's like a, eating a shoe leather or like a f- shoe filled with meat. You're describing the, uh, for a limited time, uh, a few years ago, Dairy Queen had tacos. Yeah. And that thing, it was like somebody took a t- t- tortilla flavored newspaper and and then took a shit in it. Yeah, and then soaked it in grease and put it in a in a bag and gave it to you. They they basically gave them away. They were basically inedible. It was yeah. Maybe I don't know how it was legal to sell these things. They were so bad. 
they are bad. And but for some reason, they're so cheap. Some people get addicted. Like the best way visually to put it is, it's like imagine a child-sized baseball mitt, and then you grind up the child and you put it inside the baseball mitt. That's basically what you're eating. Okay. Yeah. So we kick this off. We're off on a good. On a, Did you tell me what yours was? No. No, not yet. I mean, I'm not going to be able to. So you can try. <laughs> when I was about when I was about 21, I used to frequent this establishment uh, with my friends. Uh, we used to go there to to drink beer and and watch the UFC fights or boxing matches. Uh, and you know, fight nights are real busy. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a bar slash slash restaurant, right? Uh, I've been to a library where they showed a, a a kickboxing match one time, and boy, that place got lit. Well, this was Hooters, and I was and mm. and I was and I used to love going to when I was like twenty one, and I never was one to fall for like the girls and I, I I just like the environment, right? I wasn't one of those mm. guys like oh, you want my here's my number. You want to? I think she likes me, you know, <laughs> the the fall in love with the stripper kind of guy, like that kind of yeah. you know, yeah. But I did go there a lot. I was I was there one night with with a couple of my buddies for the for the UFC fights, drinking, having a good time, eating wings. And I was there. I know my I know my my brother Lynn was there. And I'm going to shout out to to Chris Decker, Josh Belt, Billy Bells because I know that they were probably with me. I don't I know for a fact Lynn was there. Hey Lynn, we were drinking, having a good time, and there was a a table. Behind, not behind us, in front of us, behind Lynn, group of guys also having a good time, enjoying the fights. Everybody's drinking, right? And you, you start getting. You're 21 years old. You start drinking. You start getting loose. You've had some wings. You got, you got hot sauce in your gut. You got alcohol running through your veins. People start getting loud. Everybody's having fun. And uh, at one point, this young person. Uh, and the table behind Lynn falls out of his chair and just flats out in the floor, right? So I start heckling him. I'm like... As you do. As I remember my first beer. You know. <laughs> yeah. Somebody take that guy home. Just just brutally just heckling this, this young this young fellow that's now spot like, out on the floor. Yeah, like where I, when at the kickboxing match, like guy totally just fell over in the uh, geography section. And I was all like... Pick up in aisle fourteen dot two because of the you know because the Dewey Decimal System. It you watched. Some, uh, you used to watch. You used to watch fights in the library. Yeah, there was a kickboxing match. Well, they stopped doing it after there was a serious number of paper cuts in the in there. It got real crazy. I imagine you were young at the time, right? Probably twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, thirty six, thirty seven. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Oh boy, you know I'm yelling at this young man that's sprawled out on the floor. You know, get him another one, pussy. <laughs> all the, st- you know, all the stuff. Their friends are throwing the, the eyeball at us. They could, ah, we're probably going to get into a scuffle later, but we're having fun right now. They get down. They seem concerned about him, and we just keep heckling him. You know, what a lightweight. <laughs> you know, just over and over. Right. So we're doing this for maybe ten, fifteen minutes, and. Nobody tells us to stop, and and then to my right, out of my peripheral, I see somebody, somebody come in, and and I see that they're pulling a gurney, 
and uh, it turns out that the that 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 young person had actually um, had a heart attack. Oh, and we were heckling a possibly dead person. Oh, so. <laughs> Oh, I felt so bad. So bad. And the, and obviously the heckles changed like, look at this bitch that went and died. Yeah. You know. <laughs> As you do. And maybe he didn't die. I don't know. I didn't know the guy. I know that the the table wasn't wasn't happy with us, but in our defense, we wouldn't have been heckling a, a corpse if we had known. We just thought it was somebody that got too drunk and fell out in the in the middle of the in the middle of the Hooters. That's funny. Uh, and I, I know Hooters is typically a a classy joint. Yeah. But, but we weren't being classy. We weren't being classy that day. So. Well, it's understandable. I mean, you know, there's a lot to get riled up in a Hooters. Tables are clean. Food's pretty good. The food is good. So I heard. I haven't been there. And I'll, I'll die on that hill. But I don't know if it's as good as the library. I can't. Yeah, I bet they've got like old grilled cheeses and and Fritos. Uh, they don't grill anything there. And warm cokes in a can. Yes, they had cans, and they had a cheese plate. I just wish that at some point, you know, we're at episode episode fifteen. Now I wish that at some point me and you could find common ground, but that's okay. Look, hey, I've got a piece of common ground for you actually. I was like I've been waiting to tell you this one. Okay. First, first, let me quiz you on something about this episode. Okay. Okay. When was Joe Metheny born? March 2nd, 1955. Hey, good job. Okay. Connect some dots. Did you know that the founding fathers... Oh, my God. ...didn't actually trust paper money so much that they didn't authorize paper money? The only thing that was authorized in the Constitution were coins, actually. It took an act of Congress in guess which year? Guess which year? Huh? 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 Not 1955. No, 1862, to print paper money for permanent circulation. Crazy, huh? So on this episode, Op, we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, probably a lot of fat fat shaming. There's probably going to be a lot of fat shaming, because Joe Metheny was a a real lard ass. So I figure we could pander up front, front front load the pandering, um, so that we let everybody know that listens that we're good people and we're very... Uh, uh, we're very morally correct, right? Yes. If your name's Joe, we don't mean anything that we're saying toward you. It is not a personal affront, Joes of the world. I'm not talking about just Joe, not just J- people that are named Joe that are fat. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about. Just fat people. If you're fat, if you're listening to this and you're fat, I, I don't care. I don't care if you're fat. The end. I do. Now can we move on? I do. You want to know why I do? Because they're probably going to die young? No. I don't actually have the word fat, as you islanders would put it. I only think of the word fat as in pH. So, Oh, pretty hot and tempting? Yeah. Every every time I think of the word fat, like, that, that person is fat. Or I hear somebody say, that is a fat person. In my head, I just translated, auto-translate the loving version of that word. And so everyone to me is fat. I love it. 
so even my six hundred pound life people, you see a you see somebody at the at the at the mall, obviously where you where you frequent. This is where our setting is right now, and as far as the listener is concerned, right? Yes. Mm. You see somebody on a motorized rascal with their, you know how fat, really fat people get like those bellies on the inside of their thighs, yeah, and they they hang over. It's like a, it's like a a, 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 a knee guard, an inner knee guard that just hangs down the inside of. So you think that's fat? P h a t. Yeah, I mean, think about. Okay, look at it this way. Look at it this way. The human body is so smart that the bigger we get, the more protective it becomes. And it's like, I now have space to grow to protect knees. And I will grow something to protect the hips. Hips from, if you fall. Some people are as lucky. Their foreheads actually get fat. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen that. There's a girl I've seen. And she literally has a gut. On her forehead. You know what? So my thought on that is that is the body's way of saying gravity's gonna gravity's gonna affect you a little differentlier than most people. I will I will build I will construct you to protect you from the environment. I think it's beautiful. PH all the way. Okay, beautiful. So we've we've got that out of the way. The fat pandering, people know. We are we are good, decent people now. We're trying to trying to compete with other podcasts, and this is how they would go about it. Um, even though they wouldn't even really say anything about how fat that Joe Metheny was, but but he was a real fat ass. And on top of that, I'm gonna. I also want to front load this episode with the fact that we've done a lot of episodes. Well, not a lot. This is episode 15, but in the previous 14 episodes, we've done some shows on. Some rather shitty people, you know, John Bobbitt, Ken Rex McElroy, Thomas Sweat, Boone Helm. We've covered some good people too, though, like Brad Bundy. That's not who I, who came to my mind, but I mean, if that's what you want to go, sure, yeah, that's what yeah. you want to go with. Yeah. All that being said, I really don't like this guy. I really mm. don't like. Uh, I, I really don't like. I really don't like Metheny. I don't like Joe Metheny, and it's it's not for. Just the fact that he killed a whole bunch of hookers—not even a whole bunch—it's—it's—it's it's, it's honestly debate, debatable how many he killed. Because this guy liked to run his his flapper a lot. He did more mm. with it than eat burgers and pizza and shove grease down it. Uh, and, and I'll go into why I can't stand this guy at the very end. But because of how much I hate this guy, and and because of how much of a, a vile human being he was, from here on out, I'm referring to him as. Old poop dick Metheny. So we're gonna he's old he's old poop dick for the rest of old, the episode. Old poop wiener. Old poop dick. No dick. Old poop dick. Ah, say poop dick. Poop wiener. Could I could I give you a suggestion on another name? N- no. Okay. Poop wiener it is. No, dick. It's dick op. Yeah. Poop dick. Poop Richards. No, we're not abbreviate no. You Poop deck. Okay, that's close enough. That's cl- what was your suggestion? Well, if you really must know, I think we could call because it almost sounds like a swear word. We could call him Moses Sithole. Do you know? Do you know who that was, Moses Sithole? No. 
No, I, di- I didn't. Maybe we should cover him sometime. He's actually known as South Amer- South Africa's Ted Bundy. Is 1994 to 1995 killed a bunch of people. 30, 38 confirmed people that he killed, up to potentially 76. You could call him Moses Sithole or that freaking Sithole. Or Poop Deck. Okay, so we're going to go with Poop Deck? Okay, Poop Deck. Yeah, close. All right. <laughs> and believe it or not, he wasn't a pirate. What? But he was born on, as we mentioned, March 2nd, 1955, in Baltimore, Maryland, to a Jean Metheny and a father whose name has unfortunately been lost to history. Now, I tried to find this guy's father. I mean, Joe doesn't talk about him much. Uh, you'll, if you listen to other podcasts, they say that he was a, a raging, abusive alcoholic, but... That doesn't really seem to be the case. Joe Joe says a lot of shit. Half of it can't be believed. And I don't know where they're finding this information that, that, that his father was an, an abusive alcoholic aside from what Joe says. Um, no newspapers, anything report that. So I don't necessarily believe that. Regardless, his his dad's name has been lost to history. Let's, um, as a placeholder, let's call him Moses. Moses? Moses. Is in Moses Sithole. So Moses Metheny, which is actually oh. a that's a pretty cool name. That is a pretty sweet that sounds like a that sounds like a, a great folk artist or something. Moses Metheny. That's that sounds yeah, that does sound like a country music artist that would get cancelled a year into skyrocketing to fame after using the N word. Yeah. One time. Like his hit song was like, It's a time of life when babies cry yeah. Jumping off a bridge Because if you don't know which way to go You probably never will And it's a time of life You know, something like that Oh, this is going to be fun It's going to be just excruciating So he he was born He was one of six children So we got a busy house here Bunch of little A little youngins running around the house And causing mischief and and not long after, after Joseph, after well, I said Joseph Poop Dick, not long after little little Poop Dick was born, when he was two years old, the family packed up and moved to Terra Alta, West Virginia, and and in hopes of finding work. Now, unfortunately, when Poop Dick was six years old, while living in West Virginia, his father was killed in a car accident. So, ah, uh, dang it, Moses! Tragedy strikes the family. You know, it's it's 1961 at the time. Times are hard, and the mother makes a, a hard decision to move them back to the Essex area of Baltimore, Maryland. And she was once again looking for work. Now, by all accounts, the mother was a, a hard worker. She worked her ass off. To, she has six mouths to food. She's a, to feed. She's a single mother. Uh, she she works jobs at. She's a, she's a waitress. She's a barmaid. She's a food truck driver. She does whatever she can, and. She lived on a pirate ship. <laughs> Arr, barmaid. And and I was just getting ready to say she doesn't live on a pirate ship. She does. She doesn't have anything to do with pirates. Not a thing. She does, probably. And by by every by by account of everybody but literally Joe, they had a considering the situation good, solid childhood. Hmm. They weren't abused. They, they, they were maybe a, a, a bit 
poverty stricken, right? They didn't have maybe the nicest house or the nicest clothes. Sure. But they but they never went without food in their belly. They never went without a roof over their head. And and they had a loving mother. Yeah. And and maybe the only thing she can be blamed for is is working too much, but you can't even blame her for that because you got to make ends meet. She's the, she's a single parent. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you. Do you know do you know what that means the phrase make ends meet? Make ends meet? I mean, you, a lot of times with words, I feel like I can figure out what they mean just by breaking them down, but make ends meet. I don't. No, I've got nothing. Yeah, most. it's kind of one of those things. Like, when as I was growing up, you only ever heard it when it came to poverty or something, and I always thought it was like, you know, premium tips of the meat, like ends meat. You know, hey, do you want some ends meat? You know, like the good stuff. But no, no, it it's talking about being able to leave no uh, loose ends. So it's make ends meet. Like you're the end of one month to the other to the beginning of the next month to make your payment schedule connect. So you don't have any gaps where you can't pay for stuff. The craziest thing about that, about like the background behind what that means, yeah. is is how much more interesting I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, sometimes history does that. I mean, you rarely run into that kind of thing with coin facts, but uh, but definitely with po- <laughs> rarely, poverty, fa- rarely, poverty rarely. facts are boring, stupid. We're going to be talking about hookers oh. a lot. Do you know what where the, where the word hooker originated? Yeah, Booker. T. Washington, great, uh, great. No, Hooker. No, with an H, Hooker, as in prostitute, like people that pay to let people put like penises inside them, oh, inside them, no. all in their bodies. That's not a thing. All over their and inside their nah. bodies, and they let they don't do that. Penises, they let penises shoot nope. things all over their bodies and in their eyes and mouth and no one does face that. and stuff. No one would do that. They for money. They take money. Never. They take money. There's an exchange of money, and then the penises do stuff with them all over them, nope. and they smack them with people. them and stuff. With the penises. Nope, never happens. So you don't, you don't even know what a hooker is, then. Uh, well, the word hooker actually originated. There, there's a lot of conflicting theories as to where it originated. Some people say this isn't it, but the most widely accepted is that there was a general in Washington uh, named. Uh, General something hooker And this is just off the top of my head I didn't research this before this I, I knew this a long time ago mm. But this is the gist of it There was a general something hooker for the for During the, the Civil War In the red light district of Washington He really just laid pop All over the hookers there mm. You know, he just laid a lot of pop Probably good Kind of becomes, Things can become unsanitary without good plumbing No, not plumbing I'm talking about his pop The penis, his flesh oh. pop ah, like the, Wouldn't do that just all inside these hookers, mm. um, these prostitutes, these these Doubtful. dick goblins, these Probably. these uh, sounds like uh, a myth. <laughs> small business owners, street legend, um, dick in my box, mythical uh, for money, kind of. And but this general, this general hooker, he really laid a lot of pop in the Redlock district, and by that I mean penis. He, mm. You put his penis in a lot yeah. of women for money. And there he was so is a green he, far away without a city You can't block me out like that. You realize I'm still here. Sometimes it feels like you're trying to exercise a demon and I really don't appreciate that. To save us all. 
Stop! It hurts! Ah, that's better. I always get slightly nervous when you start doing that because I'm waiting. I feel like it's supposed to have a negative effect on me somehow. Uh, so a- a- he was so well known for his his activities in the red light district, this general hooker, that they just started calling the women of that area hookers. Really? Because they were, and that and they think that's where the word originated. But there's a uh, there's many many other. Also, there's a there's a theory that originated from the fact you know hook like hook line and sinker catch them hook them hook mm-hmm. these men in pull oh them in. wait 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 you're talking about street magic that's what you're talking street magic yeah yeah sort of in a way it's like now you see the dick now you don't because it's inside me well no I was thinking more of my aunt Patricia her husband left her because he somehow he did some magic when I was seven. He left her because magically this other girl had gotten um, having a baby, and Patricia <laughs> told me that it was some street magic that had happened, and that she couldn't live with him anymore. Patricia couldn't because he had to go. You know, he'd be responsible to take care of this other baby that appeared out of street magic. So, you were like nineteen when this happened, weren't you? Thirty-seven, but yeah. <laughs> I had just moved out, okay? So the father, so Poop Dick's father is killed killed in a car accident in West Virginia when he's six years old. Like I said, move, mother moves him back to Baltimore, Maryland, starts really struggling to make ends meet. She's mm-hmm. working a lot. And, and the only real abuse that they suffered, it seems, was the fact that they were sometimes alone, home alone for, for long stretches of time, like like a child would be, you know, in, in the, in the mid-60s, yeah. mid to early 60s. Not, that, not all that nor, uh, abnormal. Right, latchkey kids, I think is what they call Latch them. Latchkey kids, exactly. Right. As far as Joe is concerned, though, this is abuse, this is mistreatment. He's really a big, whiny bitch, and she probably had to take on uh, two extra jobs just to support feeding his, his fat ass. His protective stomach. It's clearly he wasn't all that malnourished, considering his size and weight. Mm. Anyways, so like I said, they were, they were home lot. She's trying her best. Now, later on, Joe will claim that his childhood was traumatic and that he was shuffled through foster care, abused, and that they were impoverished and on welfare. And the mother says all of these things are a lie, just a, a complete and total lie. They were never on welfare. He was never in the foster care system. And uh, and you're probably wondering why I, I believe literally anybody over what Joe says. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, plus what a slap in the face to a woman who worked her whole fool head off to just you know, provide for you and your other five children, her other five children and all of you. Exactly. Yes. And he doesn't care about anybody. Yeah. He doesn't even care about himself, honestly. He doesn't care about anybody. That's sad. So uh now Joe does does drop out of school in the eighth grade. Uh quite the underachiever. His mother says he did make good grades and he was a good student. But but uh, up until the eighth grade, at the in the eighth grade he drops out regardless. And in 1973, at the age of 18 years old, old Joe joins the army and is is then put with an artillery unit and stationed in Germany. Huh. Now, this is where Joe develops his hair his heroin addiction. But later, he will also claim that he served in Vietnam during this stint. Now, in 1973, America was pretty much out of Vietnam for the most part. There were still onesies and twosies over there. Mm-hmm. And his mother also says that's not true. He was never in Vietnam. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, why lie about that kind of thing? Exactly. 
And, and this also isn't the reason I hate this guy. The, I mean, it's a it's a drop in the bucket, I guess. His his claims of Vietnam are all we're almost eighty percent certain that they are bullshit. He is with an artillery unit, though, and this is where he develops a heroin addiction that somehow still, at any point, never never has an effect on his waistline. So like I said, uh, Joe's mom says, Vietnam is a lie, not, not the war. The war, that happened. Just, uh, just... Well, some say it was just... She, did, she, didn't, she, didn't think that, she didn't think that Vietnam was a hoax. Some people think it happened in a studio. They think Vietnam happened in a. I think yeah. you're confusing Vietnam with the with the lunar space landing on the moon. No, 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 no. They think that Ho Chi Armstrong didn't actually land on the moon. He came out of the tree in a. They built like a fake tree in the studio. You mean Ho Chi Minh? Ho Chi Arm Ho Chi Armstrong. He's the great leader. Oh. great uh, example. Astronaut. Always good to have your. It's always good to have your history input on things up. It's very insightful. I've got a whole board book inside that I had, I've kept since my youth. It's got the whole story. So Poop Dick earns his GED while he's in his in the army. In his first three years in the army, he gets out of out of the army in 1976 with a GED. And after after that, old Poop Dick returns back to Baltimore in the United States and just starts kind of hitting the streets. He 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 just falls. Face first, belly hitting first, obviously, and into the street life, into heroin and meth and, and probably jerking people off for mm, heroin. That's terrible. I don't, yeah. Just jerking don't them off Don't think you can lot. do that. Never happens. Now, in 1984, Joe meets a woman. I keep saying Joe. I meant Poop Dick. Poop Dick meets a woman who is also a heroin addict, so they've got common ground to talk about. That's always sweet. It's good for a relationship to find some kind of common ground, which is something that, unfortunately, me and you haven't been able to do, despite your efforts. We, I... Okay, so in 1985... I always felt like... What? What? I always felt like... I always felt like we we, uh, had healthy rapport. Rapport? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We we definitely we do. Yeah. In 1985, they have a son, little little Joe Junior. Um, poop Dick Junior. Little Poop Dick Junior. No, little poop. Poopy. Yeah, Poop Dick. Uh, he's not full grown, so it's Poopy Dick. Mm. Poopy Dick Junior. And despite how he behaves later on, you'll see he spends most of the time while this kid's growing up uh, on the streets with other heroin addicts doing hood rat shit. And he, he gets arrested for a lot of petty, stupid shit. Really racks up a rap sheet of mainly misdemeanors, nothing serious. In 1988, while the son is three years old, he, he gets a job, lands a job at Joe Stein and Sons Pallet Company. He, this is a, and this place is still here to this day. You can go to Google Maps and look it up. It's uh, in Baltimore. Can't remember the road, but I mean, you can just Google Joe Stein and Sons Pallet Company. Huh. So it's still there. Interesting. Pretty much relatively unchanged for the most part since all these murders took place, which is impressive considering this will be the location for almost all of the murders. Do you know what happened in 1988? Just just, just, just before 1988? Actually, it's very interesting. Just before 1988. So what happened in 1987? Uh, well, just, just before that. In 1889, the three-cent piece was discontinued. Did, did you just say 1889? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had to be before 1988. You said just before 1988. 
Well, in the grand scheme of things, you think about it like the pyramids. Are you talking? About, are you? Were you comparing it to like the history of civilization as we know it? We are closer in relative speaking timelines to the Tyrannosaurus Rex than the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, I understand is that, but in normal conversation. The- in normal conversation, when somebody says just before 1988, any normal person op, any literally any normal person, they would mean in in somebody's head they're thinking, oh, he must mean the year before or two years before. Nobody is thinking a hundred plus years. Oh, really? This is basic communication. I dig the differ on that. I really do. You dig the differ? Yeah, I do. What was the penny fact there? I missed it. I was upset. In 1889, the three-cent piece was discontinued. One more for you. This will be this. Uh, this is a real banger. I use this one at parties. Do you know okay. what actually doesn't actually exist in our currency in the U.S.? We don't have pennies in the U.S. currency. We don't. We don't. Facts are we don't. We don't. I know, right? Mind blown. Actually, they're called cents, not penny. They were never called penny by the U.S. That was always something that came over from those friggin' European settlers to describe a small unit of currency because they just couldn't get on board with cent. <sighs> they, it was too hard for them to say one one hundredth of a U.S. dollar cent. So they just started calling them pennies. You seem, I'm looking at you, you seem genuinely upset right now. You know, some things... Some things uh, oligarchy just can't be forgiven for, and that is that ranks that ranks up there. It's just you know we've talked about Carl Tanzler and and Killdozer and Marvin Emeyer and yeah and John Bobbitt and and Kenrex McElroy yep. and and Thomas Sweat and yeah. Boone Helm yep. I've this is the first time I've ever seen you genuinely upset, and it's talking. You're talking about a penny. Honestly, every night I kneel down and I'm like, when are we going to hit the hard stuff? When is Kent going to finally call call me on the phone and be like, today we're talking about the European settlers and what they've ru- how they've ruined our denominations. But no, we keep ca- talking about the light, the light stuff. This this uh, this riff riff. But ki- but I digress. Sorry, three three pence, three cents, eighteen eighty nine. So like I said, 1988, Joe starts his job at Joe Stein and Sons Pallet Company. Now he's he's just a forklift driver. He's he's not in management or anything, but whenever he's picking up ladies at the bars or talking to friends and he's trying to impress them, he says he's a truck driver. Ooh. He just says truck driver. He leaves the fork out. Xy. Yeah. And there's nothing long, wrong with being a forklift driver. No. I've forklift driven myself many times. And I've got my license, my operator's license, not one to brag. But in my wallet right now, there's a forklift certification. Is it a CDL? Is that what you have to have, or is it separate? No, I, I, I got mine at just at work. You got to go a little obstacle course where you do a little figure eight and and stop and start and then pick something up and put it down and and you just got it's like a little forklift. It's kind of fun. Yeah, a little forklift obstacle course, and then you get your license. Hmm. What I'm getting fun. at is it's not that hard, and it seems like Joe Metheny really tried to play it up and just leave out the fork and, and just add truck driver because that's what really gets the ladies uh, cratches moist. Well, based on what you've said, the rest of his day was so, he was so busy lifting forks that maybe he just thought, I gotta diversify with this part of my life. Oh, yeah. that was a And that was a good fat joke and I'll give you that. Thank that you. That was a good one. 
Yeah. He meant lifting forks, like with food on them, and then he spends all day. So he lifts big old forks all day at work, and then he just goes home and starts lifting more forks. Yeah. Smaller version. Now, like I said, he's he starts this in 1988. He's a, he's a forklift driver, uh, and, and it, this is also around the time he switches over from heroin to meth. So this 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 big hippopotamus is piloting a four-ton death machine with a giant pitchfork mounted to the front while high on meth, and I'm sure that's not a danger to anybody. No. No. Yes. He also... You can kill somebody with a forklift so incredibly fast. They... They nothing stops those. I, I think it's very not well known how heavy a forklift is. Well, they have to be. Yeah, especially the, in the ass end. They're ass end heavy. Yeah, it's like, like Cardi B. Yeah, it. Yes, it's like, it's just like they they just like forge a whole car's worth of metal into like the 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 boot or the the rear parts of this. Yeah, they're heavy. We should start referring to to. to to back end heavy ladies like Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and and uh, who who was another back end, the Kardashians is we should start culturally start calling them forklifts or FLs that's she's a real FL that's a real FL piece and Frank it's a forklift did Anne Frank have a big fat ass no I just thought no I thought we were talking about like influential women I don't know why but when you said Anne Frank. In my head, I know Anne Frank is, you know, the the, the Jewish lady that mm. was hiding from the Nazis yeah. and ended up dying in Auschwitz. But in my head, for whatever reason, I heard um, who is the lady that was blind, deaf, and Anna Nicole Smith. No, 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 no. Helen no. Keller. I heard you said Anne Frank. I heard Helen Keller, and then I thought Helen Keller had a dump truck. I didn't know. That Helen Keller had a dump truck. I don't think Helen Keller knew she knew she had a... <laughs> she never saw it if she did. I think she ate pretty she you know, she ate healthy. I don't think she nah. I bet Helen Keller was a forklift. She was one of them FLs. Could be. Anyways. And I'm probably also just now realized probably gonna cut out the, the Anne Frank fat ass reference because if memory serves, she was only like 16 years old, right? 16, 17 years old. 14. Okay, yeah, definitely going to cut that out. Back to the story. She was an influential woman. Uh, Joe works out a deal with his boss, who was equally a piece of shit, a man by the name of Jack Stein. Works out a deal with Jack that, hey, hey, Joe, seems like you're kind of homeless. You're a heroin addict. Uh, I've got a little trailer here on the property. You're more than welcome to stay here. There's an eight-foot privacy fence around the entire property. Stay in this trailer. This is a little camper trailer kind of thing, right, that's sitting on the property. You could stay here free of rent, free of charge, eight-foot privacy fence. All you got to do is kind of be the security at nighttime. Hmm. Pretty good gig. Yeah, like Carl Tanzler and his fake airplane on Exactly, on on the hospital property. Yeah. Yes. So they agree. Joe says, yeah, I'll, I'll be the not security giggity. <laughs> I guess he, that's probably how he laughed. <laughs> I was thinking it was more like, <laughs> and that's a Star Wars reference. Yeah. That's a Job of the Hut reference. Yeah, it's the best I could do. In the 1990s, Joe at this point is six foot one and he's super overweight, over 400 pounds. And this is where he gets the nickname on the streets Tiny, which is. The funniest joke. That's so mean. That's a real funny joke. No. 
You, you know, something's really big. You call it tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Creative. Oh, giggity! Just that's good. Com- that's good comedy. It's good family fun comedy. It's something. Uh, if I if if somebody introduced me to him, right, six foot one, four hundred pounds, and they go, "This is tiny," I would go, "Get out of town." Are you serious? That's what you guys call him? Why? And I would put my hands on my hips like this, and I would be like, "That is hilarious." What in the? You are not tiny. You are. You are six foot one. You are influential woman. This is very comical. What you've done here with your name? So he's hanging around bars. Tiny is old. Tiny poop dick. Tiny poop dick Metheny. That doesn't sound. <laughs> don't, I don't think that has the it connotes what you intend that to connote. <laughs> old tiny poop dick Metheny. He's hanging around bars, Ugh. and he would he would have bouts where he would abandon his trailer for small periods of time and start living with groups of homeless people in South Baltimore. And he also spent all of his $7 an hour forklift job at the pallet company on heroin, crack cocaine, and Southern Comfort whiskey. And I could get down with one of them things. Which one do you think it is? Homeless people. Homeless people, that's right. Yes. So he holds down the job as a forklift driver. Surprisingly well, all his employers say good things. He was respectful, uh, a hard worker, friendly he was funny but it's also important to keep in mind that jack stein the owner of this pallet company that joe was working for will later be busted for being a massive piece of shit and he's got his hands in a lot of organized crime jack does so Mm. really what his employer how his employer feels about joe is irrelevant to me because they've obviously got a skewed moral compass anyway right well, I was going to say, I don't know that it, I mean, how hard could it be to show appreciation for a guy that works for you? I mean, once you do an obstacle course once, how hard can it be to keep doing that? You just get better at it. You don't just keep, as a forklift driver up, you don't just show up to work and keep doing the obstacle course over and over. You do the obstacle course once a year, you get your certificate renewed to drive the forklift, and then you go on about other Obstacle courses, forklift responsibilities and duties. Oh, oh, okay. So you're not you, like- you. You move heavy things. You take them from one place. You put them into another. It's not just doing an obstacle course over and over and over. Oh, I was thinking more like those managers at the Fun Depot, where they they are the ones that let you in the mini cars around the boop, boop, boop. track. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Gas cars, honestly, the little ones. They drive around tracks. You can get in. Are you talking about bumper cars? No, no. But on no. the track? No, well, they go on the track. Um, January 1994, Joe's first female victim is 28-year-old Tony Lynn Ingracia. Ingracia, I-N-G-R-A-S-S-I-A. She was a drug addict, but not a prostitute, not a hooker, just a drug addict. Uh, and, and Joe lures her back to his place while his girlfriend and son aren't there and uh, kills her. That's now, the, the, the method of Joe's killing is usually the same aside from uh, two people here that were – or a couple people actually here according to Joe. Two people certified that we have proof of. Mm. But with, with the women back in the trailer, it's all stabbing and, and strangulation. But he, he stabs her, he strangles her, he kills her, and then he dumps her body on the shoulder of I-95 at the Canton Avenue ramp, which was obviously – which was uh, actually really near, near to where he was employed. And we're going to see over and over here again that Joe is also – not only is he uh, horribly overweight, he's also kind of, kind of stupid. 
mm. in terms of disposal, body disposal. If you had to kill somebody, what, 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 what I'm just curious because, like, there are certain, like, I don't know if you're this way, but when I hear that somebody, a killer kills in a certain fashion, there are some where I'm like, ah, why would you do that? Why would you do it that way? Like, strangulation just seems boring. Boring. Like, well, boring. I, f- I feel the same way. All of the things about killing somebody you kind of took out of the equation you can't hear anything for the most part they're flopping in silence you know i mean i guess other than the fact that it's completely in your hands no pun intended but even like stabbing i don't really understand stabbing. kind of boring yeah because it's not it, it's definitely not the most effective no nope. you know it takes it, a lot of stabs a, to kill somebody a lot and i don't know I don't. Unless, I guess, you're strangling them the way that, like, Richard Iceman Kuklinski, the mob hitman, used to do. They caught, He would do what he called the tree, uh. where he would take a noose, an actual noose, because he was so big. Richard Kuklinski was so big. Oh. He was, like, six foot six. Wow. He would wrap the noose around their neck, turn around, and then pull up. Oh, so he would, like Santa's he would, sack. <laughs> he, yes. He would actually hang them. Wow. Like like the way you would hang somebody from a tree, but he would hang them from his body. Yeah. Until they stopped kicking, and he really enjoyed that. I think if I were to strangle somebody, I would try to get the, the killer name the Jabberwocky. Because what I would do is, as I strangled them, I would recite the poem, the Jabberwocky. So I put my hands around their neck, and then I'm like, "'Twas brillig in the slithy toves." Did Gyre and Gimble in the Wave. And I would say the whole poem for two reasons. A, it's a weird poem. And two, it takes a long time to say the poem. So I would know, kind of like you know how you have your kids brush their teeth to a song. Yeah. I would yeah. know by the end of the Or the way you do CPR. Yeah. Stand alive. No, it's not that song. Tom's, come on. No, it's not that song. Don't use that song. You'll kill them. It's cat scratch fever. No, it's not that one either. No. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, we're closer. <laughs> Warmer. Which one is it? What song is it? Staying Alive. Oh, yeah. You can't tell by the way I walk and move that I'm a ladies' man, a business man. <laughs> Not that part of the song, but close. Oh, okay. So, unfortunately, well, or, or fortunately, I guess, Tony, Tony Lynn Ingrassia's body would be found the next month. I say fortunately, I guess that's better than it never being found. Yeah. And and why wouldn't it be? He just dumped it off the shoulder of a of a of an off ramp, right? I would hope it got found pretty quick. Then now it's also around this time, uh, old poop Dick Metheny's girlfriend starts to become fearful of him. Huh, she starts thinking he, he he starts. It's just now he's starting to become scary. So she takes off. She leaves. Now she was a heroin addict. So there's also a good possibility that the heroin the heroin was a Colin. You know, yeah. You know, her- addicts can be flighty sometimes and and make rash decisions at the drop of a hat. Yeah, the heroin can be their highway, a calling. You know, exactly. And Joe Joe gets off work, goes home one evening, and discovers that all his wife's belongings are gone. Are his not? They weren't married. His his girl's belongings are gone. His lady his lady's belongings are gone, as well as his son. And 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 he's very upset about this. And Joe made a lot of comments we we've got none of them unfortunately are recorded you can't hear his voice it's nowhere to be found but he does have a lot of uh comments recorded in writing and uh and this is what joe had to say about that situation and i'm i'm gonna try to do the best impression of what i imagine joe probably sounded like yeah good because you do it i one of us 
should definitely do. I'm, I'm not. I'm not good at voices, so you do this. I want to see how good you do. And also, well, he cussed a lot, and he and he used. He was very misogynistic. Oh, so a lot of his language is something you wouldn't. wouldn't you you would say. refrain from saying yeah. anyway. So this is this is tiny poop dick. Ooh, you ready? <laughs> yeah, I guess. And I and I got to talk with my neck all bunched up because I feel like that helps. Yep. In July of 1994, I was at work. I was a truck driver. I was working overtime this one night, and then I got off and went home as I always did. But when I opened the door and turned on the light, I noticed there was nothing there. My old lady had taken everything, including my son, and left me. Her leaving was not my problem, but she took my six-year-old son with her. She was a, a crack addict and a worthless piece of shit. Ugh. And I would have paid her to get her out of my life. All she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house. And she could have had everything else and be gone. Wow. So that's what Joseph. It's kind of even surprising that he cares about his kid from what... Oh, I don't believe that. I think that was him, like... Because this all comes out after he gets caught, right? I think this is him trying to find a a glimmer of humanity. Yeah. And the eyes of... I, I think he was probably a shit father. Mm. Um. Everything that he says is lies. I don't believe for a second that he actually cared about his son. Yeah. So Joe, Joe loses his shit. He claims it's because his son was gone. Um, and she had left. She had actually left him to go live with a pimp across town. And she was uh, she was selling her cooter for, for that for that young man, the young the young pimp. Mm, well, job security, I guess. Huh. Selling her flesh curtains yeah. mm. for that young man. And she pretty quickly gets arrested. And then the child gets absorbed by the foster care system. So they lose the child. And because Joe has a criminal record, there's no way in hell the foster care system is going to... So so his, basically, he's lost his son. Mm. Okay. Weird. Now on this, Joe says, I found out about six months later she had moved on to the other side of town with some asshole that had her out selling her ass for drugs. They got busted for drugs and they took my son away from them for child neglect and child abuse. Weird that they uh, wouldn't have asked, is this your son? And she's like, no. And they're like, okay, we're not going to look into this at all. Take him away. Absorb him. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so she gets out of jail, but the kid's gone now. This really pisses Joe off. He, he blames them 100% for being... It's funny when you hear it, when you read... Uh, when you read his comments, he really looks down on on crackheads and, and and addicts. Yeah, but he is an addict himself. It's like he feels like because he can hold down a job, he is of uh, he is any better than any of these people. Uh, yeah. You know, when in reality, looking back, all of these people were better than he was. Huh. So, <laughs> like I said, they the state ends up taking the the, the boy. Joe, this sets Joe off, and he goes looking for them. So he's looking for this pimp and his ex-old lady, as he calls her. And he and he catches word that they're getting high occasionally with, with homeless people under, their, under the Patapsco River Bridge in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, on this, Joe says, I had no chance of going to social services and trying to get my son back due to my past criminal record. So I took it upon myself with the hatred I had for these two who lost my son to go looking for them. I had found out from someone that they was going under that bridge and getting high with some homeless motherfuckers who lived under that bridge. He sounds like a real treat. 
It doesn't he? Doesn't he? So he goes there. Joe Joe goes there uh, under this bridge, and and uh, I actually went on on Google Maps and went up and down this bridge, and it's really not what you're picturing. I would imagine that in your head you're picturing a very urban area, right? This is graffiti is everywhere. Yeah. This yeah. bridge is kind of more on the outskirts. It's kind of uh, it's a lot of foliage and greenery around. It's it's more of kind of a secluded. Have you ever seen Dennis the Menace? I was thinking like maybe like Bridges of Madison County kind of. Yeah, I've never seen that movie, but I have seen Dennis Dennis the Menace, hmm. and it's a lot more like the the bridge that Christopher Lloyd and Dennis the Menace stays under than the bridge that than the than whatever bridge you were thinking about. I just remember Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Yeah, that's a lot of people forget that he was in Dennis the Menace, hmm. which is really a popular film from our for really a uh, forgotten gem from our our time. Yep, I remember Mr. He, Ed. I don't think Christopher Lloyd was in Mr. Ed. No, just the horse. The horse. You know, you know what Christopher Lloyd was in though? That was a great movie. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Was he? Oh, was he a crazy person? He was. Huh, not surprising. Danny DeVito is also in that. Really? Yes. A very young, pretty handsome Danny DeVito. Huh. Never would use those two words together with describing Danny DeVito. You know who else is in that movie? Mm. Brad Dourif. The voice of Chucky. Really? From Child's Play. Really? Yes. That's weird. How old was he when he was in that? Because in Child's Play, he was just a kid. No, you're thinking of Andy Barclay or Alex Vincent, the guy that played Andy Barclay. Brad Dourif played Chucky the doll. Yeah. He was the voice of Chucky. That wasn't they didn't hire an actual living doll to shoot that movie. Different times now. There's no way you could get away with that these days. You'd have to definitely hire a doll labor laws and doll, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe goes goes to this bridge that he that he hears his old lady and this pimp are doing drugs with and under this bridge there's a kind of a tent a homeless people city mm. right this is where homeless people go to hang out and they do drugs together and probably I'd say a lot of smelly blowjobs have been given there and and stuff like that to other poop dicks like legitimate poop dicks mm. and so he finds Joe goes there and underneath this bridge he finds two 33 year olds. By the name of Randy Parker and Randy Brewer, and they were there passed out on an old mattress. And this is two of the people that Joe had heard his old lady was was doing drugs with. So old Poop Dick goes under this bridge and finds these two homeless people, and he he kicks one of them awake, starts questioning them. They don't give him anything. They tell him, "Hey, yeah, I mean, we did drugs with her uh, maybe yesterday or something, but we haven't seen her in a while." Joe wasn't happy. With this response, and and in this little campsite, he founds an old axe, an old woodcutter's axe, laying on the ground, and 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 kills both of these men with an axe. Hmm. It doesn't. Hmm. It's not good. Well, and and later Joe will claim he chopped them up. Right. Actually, let's just let's look at what Joe has to say. He says, <clears throat> "I went under there looking for him." They were not there, but the two homeless motherfuckers they got high with were there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattress, and that's where they were when I left, except they were dead from being chopped up. Now, the fact of the matter is, he didn't really chop them up. He killed them. He did kill them with the axe. He didn't chop them up. He, he got a few swaps in, enough to kill them. 
And then he, he threw an old blanket, an old rugged, raggedy homeless person's blanket on him with some brush and branches and trash and just tried to cover him up. But just the way this guy words things, it feels to me like he's trying to be scary. Yeah, because it's not realistic. You can't – it would take so much work to chop up a body with an axe. That's like – you know. that's like uh, – that's like trying to – that's like trying to cut chop up a body with an axe. Just not going to happen. This is even if he it. did, though. It's the phrasing, the way he. That's where they were when I left. Except they were dead from being chopped up. Yeah, he's the way he says that. Just the way that's worded, the way it's phrased. Bravado. Yes, it, it's like he's trying to be a boogeyman, and right. and there's nothing. There's nothing less scary than somebody that's trying too hard. Right. Yep. And that's why he is old. He is tiny poop dick. Little tiny poop dick. Mm. And still don't like that. Name. So he does but he does kill these two these two homeless men. Mm. Their their bodies were found. Uh but but according to him that wasn't enough for this day. He 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 goes back out in the hunt and now while he's coming up the hill back onto the onto the on top of the bridge, he comes across another woman, a drug addict. He gets her high, brings her back down there not far from where the two are dead. She just can't see him because there's a blanket and shit over him. And starts interrogating. He gets her high, starts interrogating her about where his old lady and the pimp's whereabouts are. She doesn't know anything, so he rapes her and then beats her to death. Then, the exact same thing happens. He goes up, gets another... I guess this is like just... I guess hookers and drug addicts and prostitutes and, and, and people... At, at a low point in their life, they just went to this place like flies to shit, it seems like. They just really yeah. swarmed around. Because this is like an... You know them eels that hang out at the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. And they come out and they just snatch a fish and they go back go into back their in. little hole. This is kind of what Joe is doing right now. He's the troll under the bridge. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that above ground, there's not a lot of places to uh, transact in the ways that they wished to transact. So under bridge seems like, yeah, kind of a go-to... When you think of having a children's pizza party, where do you think of going? Under a bridge. Chuck E. Cheese. And that's what it was for them. Hey, we're going to have a drugs drugs party or some... Dicks. Street magic. And then they go, hey, that's that's what happens under the bridge. So he, he gets another, another drug addict. This poor lady starts interrogating. She doesn't know. Does the same thing to her. Beats her to death then rapes her jeez so you know he lures another one down there does the same thing beats rapes beats her to death and while he's getting ready to dispose of these two these two dead bodies these two dead women he's gonna just toss them in the bushes he looks over and he sees an old black man fishing trying to mind his own goddamn business wait hang and I'm on sure that- hang on hang on I'm, so- I'm so sorry to interrupt this guy killed three people and four. all four and all two of, two men, two women, and all of the, shall we say, auditory sampling that comes with the type of activities he did whilst killing them, and there's a guy <laughs> sitting there fishing, just trying Still. so hard to mind his own business. What he was probably looking, he was probably side eyeing the way you would if you were in like a theater. <laughs> And a couple next to you is doing hand jobs. 
like right, you're like, wow, I'm just going to pretend like this isn't happening. He's like, he's whistling, like, I don't hear nothing. I don't see nothing. And this is an old black man. And you know, old black, old black men, they mind their own fucking business. They don't bother. No- and this is a big white boy. Right. He's like, I'm just fishing. Not, not, I'm not bothering a soul. Don't hear nothing. Don't. Well, when the women are screaming, he's probably like, la, 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 la. Like, he doesn't, does. That's one thing. They don't want to get involved with other people's bullshit. Right. Well, uh, that's a smart man right there. Exactly. Exactly. They're not trying to get involved with this bullshit that's going on. Oh, my God. This crazy white people over here beating homeless people to death with an axe and then. He's just trying to catch a bluegill. That's all this man's interested in. He he probably had a long day. It's probably a Sunday right after church. He's like, I'll go catch some bluegill down down at the river before church. And, and then he, he's a witness to four brutal murders. Tell me that like he just like decided to just get in the river and float down or like... You know he makes his. I way wish I could say camera. that. I, I wish. I wish that's what happened. Uh, but but Joe notices that he's standing there, even though he's minding his own business. And 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 there's probably a moment there where this this old man he he makes eye contact with Joe, and in his head he goes, "Oh fuck, <laughs> shit." <laughs> he probably out loud said, "I ain't see shit, white fella. I didn't see nothing. You just stay over there, and I'll stay over here." And but that's not what happens. Unfortunately, Joe picks up an old pop. That's laying on the ground underneath the bridge, uh, runs over and, and beats the old man to death with a pop. Dang it. Yeah, and then he throws the two prostitutes are are I'm sorry, they one can assume they were prostitutes and the old man in the river and weighs them down with rocks. So five <laughs> murders in, in about and he said in the span of about seven hours between the first murder of the of the homeless man and the last murder of the old fisherman. Jeez. Wait, now, how long? Seven hours. Between the first and the last murder. He hung out under a bridge for seven hours? Yes. I'm trying to just in my head put that into like... That's like get there at 8 a.m., 9, 10, 11, 12... Stop for lunch. Stop you for lunch. Jack in the box. One, two, three. Three o'clock, you know, try to beat rush hour when you leave. That's you're, a, you're 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 wrapping up loose ends, and then you see a fisherman. Yeah, you're like, shit. Looks like I got it. You look at your watch. You're like, fuck, man. Let's get ready to clock out. <laughs> Gosh, that guy's terrible. Now here's here's where things get wacky. These are where things get get real goofy and silly and fun. Up. So the axe, and this is what's gonna uh, eventually clear Joe's name of these murders. He 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 ends up walking for this. No. Now, the, did you really? Uh, anyway, yes. Okay. So I'm excited to get there. So okay, please proceed. The axe, <laughs> go. The axe that Joe used, that old poop dick used to kill these two homeless men, is laying. He just leaves it laying there, bloody, beside the corpses. Right. Yeah. The next day, another homeless man by the name of Larry Amos is milling around under the bridge. There picks up that axe. And kills another homeless man <laughs> by the name of Everett Dow in a completely separate murder. Jeez. These two, these murders are not. This is just. This axe has seen some shit. It's always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh my god! This might be the only time in history that one weapon was used for completely unrelated 
completely unrelated murders. Are Just- we sure <laughs> that that underbridge area wasn't used strictly for execution style? Like, maybe that's what that was a place, a, cl- a gathering place to kill people. Like, hey, meet me under the, the killing bridge and we'll we'll deal with this. It just seems like it was no man's land. It was like cops stayed away from there. There was just an understanding you don't go under like... Do you, do you, do you know what? You, you've ever heard of Tent City? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It seems only rougher. Way rougher. It's like if Tent City had a Detroit or yeah. like a... In it. A Harlem in 1978 <laughs> or Skid Row. This is like the Skid Row of Tent City. Right. Yeah. Okay. I get you. Downtown Boise of Tent City. I get you. So this axe has been used now in two separate murders. My goodness. But two separate killers. So two completely unrelated murders. <laughs> Just the the likelihood. You know, the chances. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, the odds are now now this is another one of my favorite parts of the story. At the time at this time, during this time, you know. Homeless people in this area were feuding. It was like gang wars. It was like homeless West Side Story. <laughs> right? They had homeless turf. It was, I was going like, to say, what are they fighting over? I don't know. Half packs of ramen noodles. I guess used syringes. I guess the sidewalk is still territory, so I guess it makes sense. Just... So this, you got homeless gang wars and just just a bunch of homeless people claiming territory, even though the only thing you're claiming is squatters' rights. Have I ever told I you this joke? What I Stop me if I've told you this joke. Just You can just move on without answer. What do you call a couch that has been thrown out? What? A homeless sectional. So, like, there's a lot of devils. I'm not even going to pretend laugh to that. There's a lot of devil's work going on under this bridge, as we've established. Yeah. A lot is. of death, a lot of mayhem, a lot of drugs, a lot of prostitution. Hmm. Alleged. So, in July of 1994, he, he murders his second female victim, Kathy Ann Magaziner, who is, who is 39 years old, and she is also a prostitute. Now, he's still living in the trailer. He's alone now. He hasn't found his old lady yet or the or the... Or the or the pimp that's pimping her, pimping her, her fleshy taco out, and mm. he once again lures Kathy Ann Magaziner, thirty nine years old, to his to his property there, or his work property, actually the trailer that he's living on there, and he ends up strangling, strangling and stabbing her to death, and he also buries her in a shallow grave on the Pallet Company property. So he shits where he eats a lot. Which is a bad idea if you're planning on making your killings long term, right? Mm, Bur- yeah. Burying them right there on the yeah, on the property. Doesn't like, seem too creative. I think he's I think he's lazy. Well, but he he met Kathy same... one night in a bar, and like I said, July of 1994, brought her back to his trailer under the pretense that they would do drugs together. And then they they actually had consensual sex. What Metheny claims was consensual sex, where he then, like I said, uh, strangled and stabbed her to death. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be like creativity doesn't seem to be his forte. He literally no. stayed in the same place and just killed whatever came there 
over seven Creativity hours. isn't his foreplay, and also foods that don't have carbohydrates um, are not his. Yeah. Are not his. I got to say, so Kathy then, and Magaziner, that seems like an interesting last name. Like, it kind of seems like somebody said, what's your last name? And she just looked around. Looks around. Yeah. Kathy and um, Magaziner. Like Marty McFly did and... <laughs> And start back to the future, back to Christopher Lloyd. Exactly. You know, he's like, what's your name? And he sees, I think it's a magazine right in the movie, and he goes, Calvin Klein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only she wasn't even as creative to read the name on the magazine. She just said, yeah. are, we, are my victim shaming right now? I don't mean to be. It's just her name caught me off guard. I think you are victim shaming, I'm and sorry. that's why everybody says that Op is the bad guy of the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel shame now. You should really stop being so insensitive. I'm offended, but uh, I'm going to give you a second chance. Thank you. I need it. So he strips her her hooker corpse bare. I just realized maybe you're not the one that's insensitive. You, you never, that, that, I, the, the sentence that immediately followed out of my mouth right there. So he strips her. He strips a sweet young lady's body. Uh, bear, and then he buries her in the wooded area behind the property. He claims, he claims, now take this with a grain of salt, mm. uh, Poop Dick claims that he dug her, her her skeleton up six months later and, and chopped her head off, uh, removed the maggots, cleaned the maggots off of it, and then made love to the head and threw it in the trash. Mm. That being said, when they found the corpse, it, it was missing the head. It was missing the head. It still had the lower jaw, but... I think this is just Joe trying to be the boogeyman again, like the fucking fat loser that he was. Yeah. Hard to, hard to, uh, what is the word, confirm that story? Yes. And a lot of his claims, you'll notice, are hard to confirm. Mm. That's what makes makes them so convenient for him. Yeah. Now, two and a half weeks later after this, he is actually arrested and charged with the murders of the two homeless people that he had killed. Oh. Uh, not long before. He does spend 18 months in the Baltimore jail for these murders, and in July of 1996, the trial only lasts one week and was then thrown out due to the lack of evidence. Now, you're probably wondering, he literally beat two homeless people to death with an axe and then killed two prostitutes and an old black fisherman. How did he walk away from this? And the, and the, it's, the answer is actually simple. There was so much carnage and so much crime yeah, and so much horrible shit that happened under that bridge that they couldn't decipher one thing from another. They they couldn't. the The axe had already been used in a separate murder. Yeah, it, it, there was just so it was sort of like the muddy love at Woodstock. You couldn't tell one body from another, and it was just a whole thing. Exactly. Now he also never mentioned the 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 three other bot people that he had killed the the two ladies and the fishermen. Uh, that's completely unmentioned. They're still in the river, and the police have no reason to look in the river. <laughs> There's no reason to look in the river because all the corpses are laying outside, as well as the murder weapon. Did this, so he keeps that part to himself. This is 1994. It's not like they this don't is, have DNA, you know, stuff. 1996. 1996, even. Wow. Huh. You'd think that the bloody fishing pole over to one side or some lady clothes... Over to one side, they have blood on... You'd think that they would be like, hang on, hang on, I think the story's... Hang on. But no. Not to mention, this man has a family that probably loves him and misses him. Now, I could understand that nobody reporting the two dead you know, prostitutes. They're probably drifters. Statistically, They probably don't keep in contact with their family anyway. Right. 
but this man likely was just taking a recreational day to go fishing at the river. Like he definitely <laughs> probably had a family that loved him. Yeah. Well, and if he's uh, he actually smart. said he was going fishing down there, but where them two corpses were found on the day that they were murdered, if you guys wouldn't mind just kind of maybe poking around there in the mud, just stick a, put a stick in the mud. Yeah. Just for us, just for peace of mind. Well, and if he's done any fishing, you know you put your name on the pole. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Yes. So he gets, he gets uh, the, the charges get dropped. He walks away scout-free. Joe immediately goes back, gets his old job back because his boss is also a piece of shit. Wow. (coughs) Boss is like, absolutely. Here's the keys to your trailer. I'll tell you what, Joe Metheny. I'll tell you what. Oh, tiny poop dick. Here's you a key. Here's you a key to the gate. So now he also has a key to the property. He gives him the key to the palace. Jeez. Did you just say he gave him the keys to the pallets? To the palace. Like the keys to the... He gave him the keys to this pallet palace. Wow. This, That's even better than a palace. <laughs> he's got the golden key to the city. He can come and go as he pleases because at nighttime, he actually had to... It was like he, he had a curfew, right? Because, mm. hey, we're locking the gate. You need to be inside the premises at this time. Well, and he had to be the so-called security for the property. He did. And it's also important to note that this pallet company is located at the end of an industrial street where there is no... You know, third shift. So businesses at nighttime. This is a dead end road. They're at the, they're the last business on the left. If you look at it on Google Maps, uh-huh. there's not there's a tire business across the road that looks a lot like the pallet company. You can see how it would be super easy to bring people here and kill people without anybody hearing anything, even if they were screaming. There's nobody around to hear. It, it's yeah, it's isolated. Yep, that's the thing with Google. Yeah, and it's also perfect for that. You know. You got eight foot fences with barbed wire across the top of them. So you've got them. Once you get them in there, they're not coming you lock out. Lock that gate. <laughs> yeah, they're not coming out. Exactly. Hotel California. Yep, you said that. So Joe's comment on the uh, uh, so this comment Joe's comment on this part of his life goes like this. This is Joe talking. <clears throat> I was free again. I went back to talk to my old boss and to give me my job back to me at the pallet company. There was a little trailer on the property, so I told my boss to let me stay there and I could keep an eye on the place. He agreed to this and gave me the keys to the front gate and the main building. The company was on a dead-end road and was very isolated. It was perfect for what I wanted to do. So weird. He, he literally just said what you explained. He did. That's uncanny. Did. I don't know. What are the chances? What are th- that's crazy. What are the chances? That's nuts. How did I know? I feel like you this know. is Inception or something. Since we're sitting at a table in a mall and I'm not even reading no. from a script, it's crazy that I knew he was going to say that. Yeah, and that and we can talk like we don't have food in our mouths all the time. It's exactly, crazy. and uh, also it's crazy how the noise from the food court yeah. and everything just died away. Immediately died down the second we started recording. Yeah. It's well, this technology that you have is really impressive despite its looks. It looks like the Beatles used it. It looks antiquated, but uh, well, it could be that this hello audience, all these people have stopped eating and they're just watching us. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> Clap for us, audience. Clap. Thank you. So, this place is perfect for murdering. 
right? This is this is built for murdering. And in, in October of 1996, uh, Poop Dick Metheny is going to do just that when he runs into a, a young lady by the name of Kimberly Spicer and lures her back to, to his trailer uh, once again from a bar after Kimberly was needing a place to stay. Now, Kimberly had, had earlier that day got into an argument with her mother. Uh, not something that was all too uncommon. They, they were button heads a lot lately. Kimberly had a small drug problem, and she was just looking for a place to crash that night. She had asked another woman there who had turned her down and then bumped into Joe, who, and Joe was immediately like, hey, you can stay at my place. Hmm. <laughs> and, and actually, the young lady that Kimberly Spicer had originally asked at the bar to stay with that turned her down took, gave them a ride, gave Joe Metheny, gave old Poop Dick, and Kimberly Spicer a ride back to the Pallet Company. Yeah, see, the, the hang-up I've got with all that is... At what point, you really don't even have to leave the bar. Like, oh yeah, where do you live? And he's like, I live at a, I live on a, a trailer at the back of a dead end of an industrial complex uh, behind a fence and razor <laughs> wire. I've got the only key. And like, you just say, yeah, no. Yeah, no. You want to go do sex? Or you drive the person there and you got to be, you got to know that you, the driver, she was probably like, so Becky, um, you good with this? I just got a bad feeling about this. Good? I mean, I just drove over a wolf. <laughs> I mean, I guess those are nice pallets. They're not the like rickety ones. They're pretty. Is that, is that like a pine or is that oak? Or a, is that pine? Is that a it's more of a softwood, I guess, right? Like a babinga? Babinga, maybe? Is it a babinga? Those are definitely not Ikea pallets. <laughs> those are those Gucci pallets. Ooh, that is an Ikea forklift, though. One of those Fuken liftings. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. I drive trucks, big trucks. All I, I do here is kill people, hump them, eat stuff, and I, drive forklifts. I mean, drive trucks. I don't I mean, do none of that other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, truck, just trucks. Sands fork. Now, uh, Kimberly Spicer had told this this young lady that gave them the ride that she felt bad for Joe and didn't see him as a threat. <laughs> so, so, possibly a poor judgment of character. I was say. <laughs> um, and I'm sure she was a sweet girl, she was but probably so sweet. She was probably intoxicated, and I've made bad decisions when I'm intoxicated as well, so I can completely relate to that. But regardless, Joe does uh, pretty much immediately stab her and strangle her to death uh, when they get inside the trailer. Get this. This is how stupid Poop Dick is. So he's he's buried the previous bodies on the property, right? right? So he's they're all within a rock's throw of his trailer. Smart. With this one, he doesn't even bother leaving the cement pad. That the property is 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 stacked on because ten feet ten feet from his front door is a is an old semi truck trailer that's been sitting there for I don't know twenty years and it's got pallets underneath it. He just throws her underneath the semi truck trailer on the cement and then just stacks pallets on top of her. <laughs> ten feet. What? Ten feet from his front door. What an idiot. You could almost piss off his front porch and hit this corpse. God. How they caught him is is is. Is incredible. This is top-notch police. He's work. diabolical in his creativity. That's for sure. Just lazy. This is pure laziness. Oh yeah. No wonder they put him on a forklift. This guy would would never move a pallet without the without the help of some kind of mechanical means. 
Well, and now, because he's in charge of the forklift, he will never lift those pallets, you know. They'll be like, why don't you go clean up that area back by our trailer? He's like, nah. Nope. <laughs> Not going to do it. Now, he claims he killed three other women during this time, but they were never found. And also, they were never reported missing. Joe provided no no names to go with these people. I uh, once again think he's blowing smoke, trying to be a boogeyman. Um, he also claims he butchered them. So he, he claimed he cut off the parts of the bodies that he cut off were the back of the arms and the back of the legs. So a lot of wasted meat there. Uh-huh. I would imagine that that the probably the the back muscle that on the on each side of the spine up in the upper back is probably a prime cut of meat, probably a tender yeah, well, tender cut of when you go hunting, that's a that's a very desirable piece of, of Yes. Meat. And I would imagine it would be the same thing, you know, with with a human, right? Oof. Good question. But he he the only parts he cuts off are the are the back of the arms and the back of the legs. He claims he put them in tupper, Tupperware bowls. And then in the freezer, and he buried all the leftovers in shallow graves in the woods behind the company. And on weekends, and this is where, this is where Joe becomes infamous. This is why people know who he is. This is his claim to fame because on the weekends, and it is confirmed, he did have an open pit beef stand, which I'm semi confused on the meaning of. What I like to picture in my head is just a, a shitty grill on the side of the road where he's got maybe an umbrella and a radio playing, and he's shirtless with sunglasses and sweaty selling. And what he sold was uh, real roast beef and pork sandwiches. Uh-huh. So Sure. So you know, All I think of when I hear open pit beef stand is Joe Metheny standing there with his arms over his head. Yes, just... <laughs> just sweating. He definitely didn't have a shirt on, right? Ew. Neither one of us are picturing anybody with But who buys food from a place like this? Now, he, he says he mixed the remains in with the pig meat, the, the pork, which uh, kind of makes sense. Everybody that has eaten pork and talked about, or eaten human and talked about it, says that it close, most closely resembles pork. Yes. Which makes sense because our bodies most closely resemble pork. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He mixed the remains in and, and began selling human human uh, human sandwiches mixed with pork uh, to to innocent people wanting just wanting to to buy a sandwich and this isn't even grade A human this is this isn't grade A human this is hooker meat no yeah this you is know. not it's not great it's Carla Asada yeah this isn't like a social worker like a, I don't know why I would I would want to eat a social worker or a, or a nurse or a gymnast a gymnast. This is hooker meat. This is a mathematician. Yeah, this this isn't great. This isn't uh, Kobe. This isn't Kobe beef. This is I, I don't know what the human. This, the, hey, I'm just you, as a rule of thumb, I don't like eating anything that that has been uh, ejaculated into more than twelve times. Hey, you know what? In their defense, and and you know what? This should just set the record straight. Uh, have you ever had sex? I mean, I've got I've got a couple kids. Okay, so, oh, so at least I'm, twice. I'm, I know my way around a, a meat market. Do you know what's a workout? What's that? Sex. I was gonna say uh, incline bench. Well, I guess but. that could be part of a street magic's act, but I never thought that between the two of us in the middle of a conversation, you would be the one to bring up sex. I never thought I would see this day. I'm really excited about where this is going. Please continue. Well, what I well I'm. 
more or less, I was just going to ask you about it because I figured maybe you had had sex. But now that we're on it, I presume that sex is probably a big workout. And, and some of these street magicians work out their tone? a lot. You're getting at the, you're getting at the, their tone. They work out a lot. Well, That's all I, I'm saying. I'm actually really glad that you said that because Joe himself said that he would go after... Um, drug addicts and, and, and prostitutes that, that were better looking, that looked fitter, that looked healthier. Um, so at least he was trying to get the less diseased meat. Well, and, you right. know, there again, uh, the, the drug ad- Have you ever seen those, like before and after pictures where it's like this is what they look like before meth and this is Oh, yeah, they- meth will fuck you Boy. up. Boy, yeah. So that takes pre- it, takes, it takes people with aesthetic features and makes them less aesthetic. <laughs> So, that's all I'm saying. It does. It does. So, what I like to picture is Joe on the side of the road, right? He's got his he's got his grill here. There's an umbrella duct taped to the grill from Dollar General. Yeah. He's got his shirt off. He's got a pair of reflective Oakleys, right? He's got a happy trail. If you've ever seen the pictures of Joe, he's a big fat ass. He didn't like wearing a shirt anyway. His his sweaty hairy chest is is sweaty. He's got these human and and pork burgers he's flipping them on this grill he's got a sign up that probably says i don't know two three dollars for a sandwich right yeah and he's got an old shitty radio playing music and i actually looked it up and the hit uh during this time that this was going on was one of the hits actually and i and i looked down the list and i was like well what song would joe metheny probably be listening to out of all these hits yeah and the one i found i'm just gonna start singing it you let me know I'm going to start. Actually, I've got to start moving with it, too, because it's one of them songs. Oh, wow. And he's moving. He's moving, right? He's gyrating Others. while he's flipping these burgers. You ready? Moves. You ready? Up? Yeah, go. So so he's flipping these burgers. Ow. 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 Yeah. Ow. 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 Get it, kid. Ow. 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 If you're horny... Let's do it. Uh, Ride it, my pony. This is a song. Uh, I've never seen Magic Mock. No. Ride it, my pony. It's a weird song. It's a good song. It's actually by Genuine. It's a rapper. It's a rap song. Mm. It's really good. Actually, I guess that would be more. I don't know what that would fall under. It's more of a sexy song. It's you can't play that song and just not just start crying reproducing so mm, I don't know my pony you ride it and also I believe they got the sound the sound effect for that song do you remember those things that you used to be able to get whenever you would you would hold it and it would make the noise it would roll from one end and then it would and it would go Ooh. Yeah. That's what that always sounded like. Ow. Ow. Ah. Ow. Yeah, Ow. like when you squeeze it, it makes that noise. Like a, that's a dachshund. It's a little puppy. You just squeeze it and it's like, ow. No, you don't, puppy. We weren't buying Dotsons to make, to squeeze, to make, make them make noises. It was like a toy. You could get it like a Cracker Barrel, which is a, uh, it's really, just a place for, I guess, white people to go and feel like they're connecting with their ancestors. You know what's another name for Cracker Barrel? What? 
Joe Metheny? That's a yeah. So he's 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 selling this meat off of this makes and honestly anybody that's willing to buy a sandwich from this in the first place kind of deserves to get fed human remains but unfortunately Joe eventually runs out of meat and needs more and on December 8th of 1996 the day that I was actually turning 10 years old December 8th that was a good good day maybe not maybe not for this young lady December 8th 1996 he 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 lures in his last would-be victim and uh, unfortunately for him she's a total badass uh Another, she's another prostitute, and her name is Rita Kemper. She's 37 years old. Oh. Ironic, her last name is Kemper, considering... Yeah, right, Rita Rudner. Big Ed Kemper. I think they're related. It's, it's kind of interesting that they that, that he has a, she has the last name of Big Ed Kemper, and this is Tiny Poop Dick. Or Rita right? Rudner. Or Rita, Rita, Rud, or Rita Rudner. I'd, I'd also made that connection. Yeah, probably related. Who is that? Rita Rudner. Yes. Yes, yeah, she's probably. Re- I'm guessing she's related to Rita Kemper. Okay, so oh, sometimes it's so hard. Women of influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. So he gets her back to his trailer, and he just starts ripping her clothes off. And and this is what this is what Joe has to say about about that situation. Everything was going pretty good until I ran out of my special meat. <laughs> so I lured another bitch up to my trailer Got her in there and started to rip her clothes off And knocking the hell out of her She is screaming But there's no one around to hear her except me And I just kept on laughing at her But hang on What I'm visioning is He's like, right out of me So there's a line of people Somewhere close by And he's like, be right back <laughs> <laughs> You know so. He just puts a sign up, says back in ten minutes, swings by, gets a gets a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a feeling like that sign didn't just say open pit beef stand at first. It said open pit human meat stand, but he had to cross out human meat because he's like, Oh wait, that went I went too far. But it was spelled wrong anyway, so they didn't even know what it said. Yeah. It was <laughs> spelled M E E T, like, you know, some kind of hippie gathering. Humans yeah. meet here. Come on, everybody, think world peace. Oh, and we can buy burgers. <laughs> so, uh, Miss Kemper, she starts. She's not going down without a fight. She starts fighting like a wounded cat. And Joe, Joe gets distracted, looks away for a split second. When he does, she runs out of the trailer, scales a stack of pallets like like King Kong on the building in a, in a millisecond. Wow. Joe says it was like what well, like a monkey. She like shot up him like a monkey. Wow. And then jumps the fence. Barbed wire and all, and runs barefoot to a gas station where they call the cops. Huh. Uh, Glad she got away. Poop Dick realizes the gig is up. He he gets his keys. He unlocks the gate. He stands by and he waits for the cops to get there. They do show up and they arrest him. Unfortunately, he gets out of jail on bail for for nothing more than an assault charge, despite the fact that he told her numerous times. I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other bitches. Also, there's a dead, rotting corpse ten feet away. Now, they, now as far as they're concerned, this is just an assault. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is just... So they're not searching the property. They're not doing it. They're, as far as they're aware, this is just a single incident of an assault. Oh, you know what, so, actually? At first, I thought he was an idiot for unlocking the gate and just hanging out waiting. 
he probably did that because why would they search the property for anything else if he's off the property and they're like, that's our man. So maybe yes. maybe yes. he had a brain cell and thought, oh. A single one, and it was also overweight. And he, he used it. <laughs> it. It's just got a little fat tail. I'm thinking of semen. You are. I don't think brain cells have tails. They don't. But his semen was fat too. I bet it. I bet it was like. I bet it was like heavy. It just instead of swimming to the egg to fertilize it, it just dragged across the bottom, and its little tail was just very short and stubby, and it just had to kick real hard. Yeah, just a, just a skid across the bottom on its on its fat sperm gut, and he had to get a, to the and, egg. And that cell had a, a carrying a lunch pail. It's a. Uh, Power Rangers lunch pail was. Full. It's got a lunch pail hat hung over the end of its little stubby tail. Yeah, and it's just, just filled with <laughs> chocolate dials. <laughs> so Joe gets out of jail. Old Poop Dick gets out of jail, and immediately after getting out of jail, he asked a friend to help him, and this friend's name was Joe Steiner. Now this was the son of Jack Steiner, the 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 owner of the pallet company business, oh. and. It turns out while all this was going on, Joe Steiner was actually working with the police to bring his father down. His father, Jack Steiner, was a was a massive piece of shit that had abused Joe Steiner his entire life, had been dealing with drugs and abuse and fraud and anything you can think of. Yeah, Joe um, sees the value in the pallet company. He's trying to knock Jack off. Well, and if you recall, this pallet company is now named... Joe Steiner and Sons Pallet Company, but I don't think I. You know, I I actually went did a pretty deep dive on this fellow. This Joe, there's actually a lot of information out there about him. Seems like a good dude. Yeah, seems like a genuine good dude that that turned turned on his father because he genuinely saw him as a piece of human shit that needed to be uh, brought to justice. I'm kind of surprised you didn't like just call the place and Joe picks up and you're like, hey, let me ask you a question or or two. Oh, it kind of seems like they're trying to forget that part of their history. Yeah, maybe good. Right. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe for the best. <laughs> so uh, when, but but now, but now, Joe Metheny is unaware that all this is going on. This, uh-huh. this involvement with the police and Metheny is also noted as being Jack Steiner's kind of muscle. Whenever they're doing oh. crime, you know he's okay. So 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 Poop Dick asked Joe Steiner to help him bury the body of Kimberly Kimberly Lynn Spicer, um, like I said, who had, he, he had hidden on the property and had not properly disposed of. She's still underneath that trailer, that old trailer with yeah. pallets stacked on top of it. Right. Joe Steiner immediately reports Joe Metheny to the police on December 15th, 1996, and Joe was arrested again, and this time... This will be the end of it because he's charged with the big M word, the big, he's charged with murder. Ugh. At the same time, Joe's boss is arrested and charged with accessory after allegedly disposing of evidence at some point. With So he's helping with Joe's crimes on top of crimes of his own. Uh, Jack Steiner ends up getting 10 years in prison. Joe confesses to everything and leads police to the grave of Kathy Magaziner. He claims that he had killed up to 10 people. He had zero remorse the entire time. And uh, in 1997, he was tried for the Kemper case, uh, where where he had assaulted the young lady, the one that got away. And for this alone, he was given 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. Um, he was sentenced to death in early 1998 for the murder of Kimberly Spicer. And uh, he said he had no excuse other than the fact that he liked to do it. He enjoyed it. 
Wow. So, in August of 1998, he pled guilty to murdering and robbing Kathy Magaziner, and he got a, a life sentence for that one. Um, he, he, Like I said, he got the death sentence in early 98 for the murder of Kimberly Spicer, but in 2000, in the year 2000, his death sentence was uh, overturned against his wishes. He wanted the death sentence. Um. Huh. And he says in all of this, the only thing that he regrets, the only thing that he feels remorse for, the only thing that he wishes he had, he had done differently was that he had killed his old lady and that son of a bitch pimp. He did kill them? No, that he wishes. He, oh. That's the only regret that he has is that he didn't get to. <laughs> God. What a piece of... Shit. Poop deck. August 5th, 20, 2017. On August 5th, 2017... A sixty-year-old, sixty-two-year-old Joe Metheny was found dead in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland. Uh, we can only assume, although the official cause of death was never released, uh, foul play was not involved, and we can probably make a safe assumption uh, with going with some form of heart disease, considering his his morbid obesity. Even though he did lose weight in prison, really, he, he did lose a lot of weight in prison. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he was morbidly obese for a long period of time, shoving cheeseburgers into his face and, and injecting heroin and meth into his veins. And I can imagine that would be uh, fairly devastational to one's to one's uh, ticker. I would say you're probably right. Not that the prison food system is any better. I don't think Michelle Obama had an opportunity to overhaul that before they were done. Now, to, to further prove you know last, before we, before we leave here, I want to go into why I hate this guy so much. Oh, right? yeah. Just a little bit. Not long. Two or three minutes here. Mm. He would later, while being incarcerated, being interviewed, he claimed that his mom was dead. And the reporter, like, actually a good reporter, did a little deeper dive on here and found her very much alive and well. And I'm assuming he did this so that the hoping that the reporter would have nobody to cor- collaborate what Joe was saying with what the truth was. I see. Right. right. He didn't know that this reporter would further search out the truth. Um, and she was like, "I'm not dead." You know, he found her. She was alive and well. Hmm. And that's whenever the truth starts coming out. No, he had a good childhood. We were a little poor. He was never hungry, though, and I loved him, and he was a good student. And, oh, by the way, he also never went to Vietnam. <laughs> and that's when everything kind of starts falling apart. We also fig- – there's there's police years later would, would search the river there for the two ladies and the fishermen that he claimed to, ki- to kill and never found any bodies. Although, you know, there's a number of things could have happened over years, right. period. They sure. could wash away. They could – whatever. But that being said, they never found those bodies and no, no – Nobody was ever reported missing. Huh. There's also, there's even speculation that Joe didn't kill the two homeless people underneath the bridge, that it was actually done by a homeless man known around there, an outlaw by the name of Cowboy. An old homeless man by the name of Cowboy. Oh, really? So maybe Joe said he did it, but... So what I think, op, what I think happened here is whenever he realized he was going to go down for the murders of Kimberly Spicer and and, and Miss Magaziner and 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 the other one that that he thought, well, I'm going to get life. Yeah. What I need to do right now, I might as well lean into this. Mm. I need to get some street cred. I need to get some prison cred. Mm-hmm. The 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 meaner, the badder, the more of a monster that I am. The, the more I'll be feared, the, the more I'll be respected in prison. This is, I'm going to be here the rest of my life anyway. I might as well lean into this, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when I think he started making up stories about digging up the head and cleaning the maggots off and having sex with it. And, and, and he just started 
I think he started making. I, I, I am I'm honestly even hesitant to believe that he he cooked that he put the meat in the burgers. I think he's full, I fucking I think this guy's full of shit. Hmm. Uh, you may have your own opinions. The listeners may have their own opinions. Me personally, I think this is just a walking, talking, fat piece of shit that did indeed murder Kimberly Spicer, uh, Miss Magaziner, and I can never remember the other young lady's name. I think that probably the only murders that he ever actually committed were the three the three young ladies, hmm. and he was just trying to be – I think he was one of those guys that likes getting off on people being afraid of him. I think this is just a big lying uh, loser. Yeah, he, he doesn't see – he doesn't hit me as somebody that would go to the, uh, the trouble of the pro- – have you ever meal prepped? It's not easy. It's work. I can't see Joe being like, you know what I should do is feed other people. I, eh, nah, I don't believe it. No, no. I think, you know, he's just building up some cred. Yeah. That, that's, all, that's all, that is, that is all this is. Well, and the other and thing that's all is, I've got off. if he's selling, if he's selling, you know, Betty burgers from the trailer or somewhere, uh, you would think that the pallet company would be aware of it. And like there would be people there that would have said, "Yeah, I ate." I don't one. think they would have cared. Yeah, but there would have been people that said, "Hey, yeah, I worked there and I ate one." Yeah. Okay, I see what you're. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I can agree with that. He's a liar. He's definitely a liar. He did definitely kill a, kill at least three people. Yeah. But his claims of ten plus, I don't believe it. Yeah. I, I don't believe it. I think he's trying to be a. I think he's some loser that's that's trying to be a boogeyman. He's just trying way too hard, in my opinion, and it ends up just looking kind of corny and and pathetic. Yeah, he's a loser. Now, I usually like to uh, like to tip off at the end of every episode my main source of information for a case. I usually do this by book. Uh. The way I usually do research. For one of these episodes is I read a pretty lengthy book. Unfortunately, there's not a lengthy book on Joe Metheny, but I'll tell you what. I got on Amazon and I found a book, and I use that word lightly, called Murder in Southwest Baltimore by an author, and I use that word lightly, by the name of J.R. Brand. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding it right here, and if you want to take a look up. Oh, yeah. that's a, This is like a pamphlet yeah, that, a, that somebody coming door to door would hand out for Kirby vacuum cleaners. Yeah, yeah. It is literally, and you can't see the side of it from Amazon, right? So you think, oh, I'm just buying a, a book. It's got a pretty, <laughs> pretty cool cover, right? Uh huh. It's got Joe Metheny's big fat ass sitting there holding his gut on the front. Uh, it's literally, hold on, uh, 54 pages total. But here's the kicker: in the middle. He's got pictures that take up like 20 pages. So on page 11, we go into what is a serial killer. Oh, where no he, way. <laughs> where he just babbles and and just m- mumbles for fucking... Hold on. Until page 33. No. <laughs> so from 11 to 33, doesn't even have anything to do with Joe Metheny. Well, and he probably didn't even write it. He probably just like, you know, rewrote Wikipedia. <laughs> So, so the book, right, it, it, it starts on page five. We're actually getting into the Joe Metheny. Page five. It starts on page five. We leave Joe Metheny on page 11. 
Right, so we've got <laughs> six pages total, right? right? So let's yeah. go over here. Six pages. We pick back up with Joe on page 33. The book is over at page 49. Wow. So 33 to 49, that's uh, 16 pages, right? Yeah. 16, 16 plus the six pages in the beginning. <laughs> We have a 22-page book. I paid way too much money for this piece of shit. I was very upset when I got this. That being said, I read it about 12 times because it wasn't that hard. You can really do it while eating a brownie. This is not a book. Don't buy this book. I do not. I'm going to be honest with my sources. I did not get a lot of information from this. Admittedly, some was got from it, but it's poorly written. It's It's got a, a plethora of spelling and grammatical errors. <laughs> it repeats itself on multiple occasions, and on top of that, it's only about 20 pages Tell me, of information. Is there? A, did he dedicate that book to someone? I want to know who he dedicated it to if he did. Let's see here. Murder in Southwest Baltimore by J.R. Brand. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to read this. I would feel really mean. <laughs> you got to. You got to. Because whoever got it dedicated to them, I feel terrible for that person. This is really bad. Uh, yeah. This is true crime kids. We, we- As always, my books are dedicated to my mom in heaven. <laughs> she's <laughs> She's gone but not forgotten. I love you forever and always, mom. <laughs> So, I gotta, I gotta look up more of his books now to see how many other page turners this guy's written. <laughs> That's so sad. Poor lady. I tried to warn you. I didn't want to read it. You made me. <laughs> oh gosh. That's so sad. Oh, I feel terrible now. So, uh, he also says at one point in the book. I tried to contact the parents of these murdered girls, and they just didn't seem interested in talking to me. <laughs> you don't say, Jr. Don't say. Oh, man. So I can't recommend that book. I, I have recommended books in the past. I've read, you know, the, uh, this is not one that I would recommend. That's the un- unfortunately the only book that has been written on Joe Metheny, and I strongly suspect that's because um, authors start digging into this case, really getting into this case like I did, and they realize that it's likely that uh, poop dick is full of shit. <laughs> and he was trying to be a boogeyman. <laughs> wow. Well, that, uh, you know, the only thing that's more of a mouthful than that is the uh, mouthful of American burger that we had while we were sitting here. Yeah. I'm just glad that the acoustics in this mall were <laughs> as ideal yeah. as they turned out to be. They're very studio quality, I would say. And they are. We should record here more we often. We come here all the time. Yeah, We can get our walk-in before. Bring your trainers. And I also have to say that it was very, very convenient, even though that we've established in past episodes that you live thousands of miles away from yes, me, right. that we found a mall yeah. that was of equal distance and not that far away from either of us right. that we could meet up like this. Yeah. Just it's it's funny how everything turned out. It's, and it's weird. very convenient. It's like that mall was in a vortex wormhole, and you know, the gateway was close to both. Anyway, this has been a lot of fun. And it has. I'll probably, if you don't want to meet back here tomorrow, I'll probably call you tomorrow. Okay, that that sounds good, man. You do that. Don't I don't ever want to meet you anywhere in a, in this mall ever again, though. 
you're the only person here aside from 68-year-old people walking for exercise. Yeah, well, you know, I think, actually, when we're done here, let's walk over to B. Dalton Bookstore and see if we can find more of that guy, that author's, not author's writings. Deal? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dedicated to mom. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'll call you tomorrow. Okay, that sounds good, man. Okay. Hugs. Uh, huh? What? Thank you.